You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. The following is a presentation of A's Cast, your free 24-7 nonstop destination for A's baseball. Go to athletics.com slash A's Cast to download the app. Restrictions apply. And for the first time in 2019, the lights have taken full effect. From backdoor sliders to the batter's eye, and finally, up to the booth, Ken Korak takes you inside the game with Taking Effect. Now, here's the voice of the A's, Ken Korak. On our show today, we're thrilled to have Scott Emerson back with us, the A's pitching coach, and Scott has had such a diverse background in the game, pitching for many years in the minor leagues and working his way up as a coach, as many of you know, but uh, coaching in the minor leagues, as a pitching coordinator, and now, of course, as the A's pitching coach. And so you have great insight, and especially this time of year, uh, Scott, for instance, the A's second-round pick in the draft this year was a, a college pitcher out of Carolina, Tyler Baum. Take us through the early days. Okay, the A's draft someone or they sign a free agent, young pitcher coming up in the system. What's the process? What happens from there? Well, first of all, you know, uh, a kid's mechanics start when he's, you know, first throwing with his dad in the backyard. So you're looking ultimately for the, the his father or, or his young mentor coach to, to build that foundation. With any good pitcher, you got to have that foundation. And moving forward, you get into high school and you want to have good, repeatable mechanics. And then ultimately, here comes the draft in June and and you draft that guy and uh, you do your homework on him and uh, size, leverage. Our scouts are out there uh, scouting their arm action, scouting their their delivery and scouting their pitches. So uh, once you get this pitcher, uh, you usually give him a little interview and and talk to him about the things he likes to do, uh, how recently he's pitched in the game, how recently he's thrown his bullpens, uh, who his coaches have been because you might know some of the same people and you can call around and talk about them. And uh, but once you once you get into uh, the rookie level, you start building that mm. foundation. Yeah, fascinating topic for me today. Building a major league pitcher uh, in general terms. High school pitcher gets signed, college pitcher gets signed. What's the difference in the way they start their professional career? Well, you want to look at physical maturity. You know, sometimes uh, there's a lot of projection going on with a high school kid. You might see a kid six foot five, 165 pounds like I was, and then you're thinking, okay, with added uh, muscle and strength, he might throw the ball a little bit harder. And then in college, you might see a guy who's closer to the big leagues. He might be physically mature, and then you're, you're going off his physical maturity and, and seeing how quick you can get him possibly to the big leagues. And then the high school kid, you're going to work on that foundation and keep building on that foundation. Not that you can't build on the foundation with the college kid, but they're getting closer at 21 and 22 uh, to the mechanics that have been repeatable for them for a long time. In high school, generally, and the kids we sign out of Latin America, we can probably make uh, pretty good significant uh, mechanical adjustments early. Not that we can't on the high school kid, but it's a lot uh, easier to make on a younger pitcher. How hard is it to make those adjustments? even if they might be necessary with a pitcher coming out of college. Well, you know, each pitcher, you know, as much as they throw, they're, they're building habits, uh, whether they be good habits or bad habits. And so at the lower levels, like, like take rookie ball, for instance, rookie ball or uh, short season A ball, our team in Vermont, we want the number one thing for our guys is to have a repeatable delivery. 
the number two thing is we want fastball command. And first of all, the fastball command starts off with just throwing strikes. Being able to throw it over the, the plate that's uh, 17 and a half inches, and the black is a ball, Ken. No matter what we say, the black is a ball. But uh, right. that's always been a joke with a lot of fathers. You know, I hear them, that got the black, and, and I tell them, yeah, it's a ball. But So when we're building that foundation, we're also building routines, throwing routines, uh, strength and conditioning routines from our our strength coaches, uh, arm care routines from our uh, athletic training staff. And we're trying to incorporate the big league life at an early age of what they're going to be doing in the big leagues and, and working hard each and every day. But the foundation, first of all, for a rookie pitcher is to throw strikes. Mm-hmm. That's the number one thing with a repeatable delivery. Scott Emerson joining us today. And when you, when you get a pitcher, and again, whether it might be a college pitcher or a high school pitcher, Scott, and you mentioned the, the uh, strength and conditioning, are those pitchers tested for things like their strength or maybe even you might uh, delve into nutritional aspects? And how does a program then get built out from that with a pitcher who joins the A's organization? Yes, most definitely. Uh, I mean, every spring training, our pitchers get retested on, you know, uh, our, our athletic trainers are, are testing their arms and their strength of their shoulders. And and our uh, strength and conditioning guys are, are checking out their overall strength and flexibility. You know, the one thing about being a really good pitcher is we need flexibility. We need you to be able to put your body in all these positions. It's not easy to go out there day in and day out. That's why you look at the, you know, the, the major league pitchers in their late 30s. I'm amazed, you know, how they can put their body still in these types of positions. So uh, the strength and conditioning is very important. Uh, the nutrition is very important. You see a lot of kids nowadays that are eating better, way better. Me, you know, the meal money we got, we're going to the Waffle House or we're going to IHOP <laughs> and we're going to McDonald's. And the organization does a great job of uh, providing a better nutritional uh, 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 nutritional plan for these guys. And, you know, it's like, like having a car. You know, you put bad gas in a car, don't expect that car to run great. You put bad food in your athletes, don't expect them to be able to perform at the uh, at the level that we want them to perform at. What about the mental aspect of the game? Because this is something we've talked with Keith Lippman about quite a bit. How much of that goes on? Oh, it, it, you know, one of the things, and I hope we get to it, is when you're building that foundation of that pitcher trying to get to the big leagues, is, you know, generally you get a high school kid who comes into professional baseball, he's got a fastball curveball. And I've always talked if hitting time is timing, pitching is disruption of timing. And it, now you got to get this kid a changeup. And they don't want to throw it because they've been successful in high school. And then you have to get them to uh, understand the, the reality of big picture thinking of, hey, I want you to be a major league pitcher. I don't want you to be a minor league thrower. And that's something that I've always preached to guys, major league pitcher, not minor league thrower. So, you know, you might see a guy if I said, hey, uh, go ahead and just go fastball, curveball tonight and go out and dominate a rookie ball game. Well, that's not big picture thinking for us in the big leagues because we have the experiences and we have the knowledge and we have the analytics to know that most, not all, but most starting pitchers need that separating pitch. They need that changeup. They need that split finger. They need something that separates the timing off the fastball to help create swing and miss. And so you don't overexpose breaking balls. I remember having a pitcher and he threw a ton of sliders and we were trying to get him to throw more fastballs uh, just to set up his slider. And I was like, hey, it's okay to throw sliders, but you're throwing so many of them and then you're asking me why you're unlucky with uh, hits that are just 
bloopers in the right field. Well, you keep throwing a soft slider or a slider down and away, eventually the hitters are going to go get it. Me, personally, I'd rather hit something 85 than 95. So if you throw something slower in the zone uh, for a strike in the zone too often, the hitters will adjust to that. So it's teaching the pitchers about pitching not about throwing hard but about pitching do i want guys to throw hard yes we all want guys to throw hard but at the end of the day to build that major league pitcher you got to have some velocity you got to have command and you got to have a ball you can slow down and you got to have a ball that breaks here's my theory on that you would know a lot more about this than me of course because everybody throws 97 now everybody that comes out of the bullpen seems to be throwing 95 96 97 uh, the average fastball velocity has risen maybe four or five miles an hour um, in the last, what, 10 or 12 years. Uh, so I think changing speeds is more important than it's ever been. Because, uh, you know, don't you think that hitters are going to make the adjustment? Because it's like anything else in life. I mean, if you see 96 all the time, you're going to get used to that. So, I mean, my perspective is that it's never been more important for a pitcher to change speeds. Well, it, it, yeah, the elevated, located fastballs and the located fastballs with the change of speed helps everything out. You know, you, you ultimately want the, the three-pitch complement. You want something, like I said earlier, something hard, something breaking, and something soft. And uh, when we can get the pitchers to understand that, it, it makes their life a little bit easier. And we'll take Frankie Montas, for instance, on that split finger. I think you know everybody says he's got a great split finger. No matter what his split finger is, it's helped out his other two pitches, and and the, and the command of the fastball has been uh, really good. But you know we're in the the quote unquote launch angle stage where guys are trying to lift the baseball, and the ball moving down makes it a little bit easier for them to lift the ball. But that's where that changeup, in my opinion, still comes back into play that, you know, it looks like a fastball and then all of a sudden it's not a fastball. Mm -hmm. So we're disrupting the timing of the hitter. We're getting the hitter to get out in front and commit to the baseball early. If, if he's thinking fastball, we throw changeup, great. If he's thinking changeup, we throw fastball, great mm -hmm. too. And then we got that uh, breaking ball sprinkled in. You know, big league hitters, I know one thing. With two strikes and you throw a breaking ball inside the strike zone, you're in trouble. Yeah. You know, you, you got to have that breaking ball that's plus breaker, that's in the zone, out of the zone. When you have that breaking ball that's in the zone, out of the zone, and it's a plus major league breaking ball, you get to throw it more than anybody else. But when you have an average breaking ball with an average fastball and an average changeup, that fastball changeup mix is going to play a little bit more than throwing a, a heavy dose of breaking ball. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, the old saying, they come in with uh, topspin, they go back out with backspin. <laughs> yeah, you know, right. you really don't want that to happen. But so, you know, rookie ball, we're just throwing strikes, and that includes, uh, you know, first-year players. And then, then as you go up the ladder, you go to Stockton, you might start thinking about uh, pitching in a little bit more, you know, being able to elevate more. Uh, you know, I know in the second half of the season when I coached in, in high A ball is when I started backdoor and breaking balls. You know, I felt like, hey, you got to master three pitches. You got to master your fastball in, uh, in the down and away zone and then in, in the up and in zone. And then you got to establish a strike breaking ball and then a strike changeup. And then after you can establish that, then we can start moving the breaking ball and the changeups to other sides of the plate. But the strikes are important. Uh, the command is important, and then, uh, you know, 
everybody always says throw strikes, but in reality, you look at what the best in the league do. They throw balls that look like strikes and end up balls. They're in the zone, they're out of the zone, but they're they have plus pitches. So we want to make sure that we can, you know, not only get our ball in the strike zone, but at some point in time, you got to teach the the guys not to throw a strike, but to throw a quality strike. You look at some of the guys that throw elevated fastballs, and they're over the hitter's head. That really doesn't do any good for any of us. You know, the hitters see it as a ball right out of the hand. You want that temptation ball right around the armpits or just above the elbows where they may swing, and uh, it's good enough to be a top of the zone strike or a swing and miss. So, yeah. I mean, there's there's so much going goes into building these guys and becoming major league pitchers, but sometimes one of the biggest things I'll say is if you're looking at stats at an early pitcher, you have to understand maybe the organization and the, and the pitching coaches are trying to add another pitch and getting him to use it more. It's easy to go to some guys. You know, I've seen soft toss and left-handers in double-A abuse a changeup especially in high A ball. They'll abuse the changeup so much that when they get to double A, they don't have that fastball command. They don't swing at the changeup anymore. Now they're in trouble. So that's why the fastball, the power of the fastball is still number one, and all your pitches have to work off of it. For 100 years or more in baseball, it's all started with the fastball. On Ace Cast today, we're joined by uh, Emo, Scott Emerson, the Ace pitching coach. The topic is building a major league pitcher. So what's average fastball velocity now in the big leagues? It's around 92, right? 93.7. Yeah, no, this year. so 93.7 so, in the big leagues this year is average. That's an average major league fastball, and uh, you know that's hard. So yeah, uh, <laughs> there's no doubt. You know, one of the things you're seeing is you're seeing you know maybe your three, four, and five starters not going but five innings or six. So your relief pitchers are pitching a little bit more. Generally, you know, generally your relief pitchers are your harder throwers. They're guys that uh, maybe didn't. Uh, quite have the prettiest deliveries and uh, maybe after a certain number of pitches they fatigue you know to build that major league starter and you have good sound mechanics and repeatable mechanics and and a good kinetic chain and you're smooth generally you take less stress off the arm you look at some of these guys that are coming out here and just for lack of a term just throwing as hard as they can and, and taking their chances most of those guys don't have great mechanics you know, they're flying off the ball, but they're creating velocity, you know, and some young pitchers, you know, you can't fly off the ball at 93 in the big leagues and think you're going to be successful. You can fall off the ball at 97 and be successful, but that 93 threshold, you got to stay on it. you got to hide the ball longer. you got to have good, smooth, kinetic chain, repeatable mechanics so the hitter can't pick up the ball till later. So, you know, the, the harder you throw, the, 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 the wackier, per se, your mechanics can get. But still, like you said earlier, that, you know, Hitters, hitters, they can time a bullet. Once they start seeing this speed all the time, you got to be able to be good enough to throw something other than fastball in a fastball count in this league. Yeah, we're recording this in the dugout in Anaheim, the A's dugout down here, and we we do have some helicopters that have been hovering over the ballpark this afternoon. What about the number of pitches or number of innings a, a college pitcher might throw uh, uh specifically the year before he's drafted, the year that he's drafted, like Griffin Canning, who was drafted in the uh, second round by the Angels in 2017 out of UCLA. And he's pitched well, pitched two games against the A's so far this year and pitched well, though the A's got him in the second game. He threw 119 innings in his last year for the Bruins. So when he signed, he went to their complex in Arizona, but didn't pitch for any of their minor league teams that year. Um, how do you look at that? How do you evaluate 
the number of innings or the stress a college pitcher might have on his arm uh, during his time pitching collegiately. Well, like I said, we're always constantly looking at the number of innings they, they're, they're pitching, and you may be going up 15 20% at the most each and every year. So, you know, 119 innings, and, uh, you know, the Angels, I guess, shut him down, you say. If, if he had like 150 the year before, they probably wouldn't have shut him down. They probably would have sent him out and let him go a little bit more. So in our organization, you know, Gil Patterson uh, will check the innings pitched. I checked when I was the coordinator. I'll check the innings pitch. Maybe a guy was down a little bit. He didn't have as good of a year, and we got him maybe later in the rounds, and he threw 85 innings. Where the year before in college, he threw 85, but he threw another 40 in college. So we'll we'll look at we'll backtrack all the innings and, and we'll go up a little bit maybe uh, 10 15 20 percent depending on the guy depending on the the injuries if he's ever had any and uh, we'll just uh, do the best we can but we we do a really good job in our organization of first year guys and watching their innings so that's the rule of thumb first year guy pitching in the minor leagues let's say it's a ball or low a and that pitcher might throw 100 innings maybe the next year you go to 120, 125, maybe no more than that? Yep, that's what we're looking at, you know, uh, and uh, we're monitoring as long as he's getting his day's rest and, and uh, the same thing with relievers. And then you've got a lot of college starters coming out of college who become minor league relievers. So, you, you know, there's an adjustment period for them becoming relievers and how often they pitch, how many times that they've ever pitched back-to-back days in their life. And, and when they start off their career in, in – uh, usually when you start off your career in uh, rookie ball or, or short season, you're not going to go back-to-back days. We're going to wait till your first full year of professional baseball before we pitch you back-to-back days. And normally the object is to get you out on that mound fresh you know, there's there's between 16 and, and maybe uh, 18, 19 pitchers at each short season team. Uh, so you kind of just spreading the wealth around and letting mm-hmm. guys get some innings in and getting off the mound. And then you get them to instructional league, and that's when the changes can can occur when you when you start want to making some l- little modification changes. But we also have to be smart enough to know that. You know, they're kind of worn out throughout the whole year. How big of a change do you want to make in an instructional league? You might want to give them something to work on in the off season, and then when they come into spring training. But now, uh, now we have mini camps going on, which I really love mini camp. Get guys ready for the season, and and you can get them working on some stuff with a fresh arm. And yeah. you know, typically we're looking at three months of no overhand throwing in the off season. Uh, yeah. But I, I think we do a great job. If someone dominates. They're climbing the ladder. They dominate in Double A half season. Say it's it's halfway through the Double A season. How do you how does the judgment get made on when that pitcher advances to the next level? Well, I think there's a uh, an assortment of uh, ranges of you know how long's the guy been at that level? Is it his first year of pro ball? I, I think you know you kind of want to have an ETA to the big leagues for each and every guy. Uh, when you're thinking, okay, this guy September next year is going to, you know, hopefully this is where we want him or we want this guy early next season. So I, I think it's kind of on an individual basis. I know we signed Sonny Gray, sent him straight to double A. Uh, we signed James Simmons, our first round draft pick. I, I was his pitching coach and we sent him straight to double A. I want to say it was 07, maybe, maybe 08. One of out of UC years. Riverside, out of UC, James Simmons. Yep, out of UC Riverside. So, um, you know, it's just kind of a matter of, uh, you know, how you've been pitching, how you get there. 
you know, I don't perceive, you know, you, you, we don't really sign many high school guys and send them straight to double A. Mm -hmm. We're signing, uh, or I haven't seen any, but we're signing guys. And if they go to double A, we'll, uh, I know Houston Street made it from the, the draft to the big leagues for mm -hmm. us. Uh, uh, I believe it was in 04. Mm -hmm. And, um, yeah, I think it's an individual basis on, on when you determine how each guy gets called up. Yeah, and Paul Blackburn was a high school pick, uh, sandwich pick, right after the first round by the Cubs. He got to the big leagues actually fairly quickly. The best example, of course, that people look at with the A's organization of guys who got here quickly as college draft choices would be the big three, Hudson, Mulder, and Zito. They all pitch for big programs. Uh, Zito and Mulder were first-round picks. Hudson actually was a sixth-round pick. So when someone gets up fast and when they got to the A's, we all thought they're here and they're not going back because they were really good uh, right off the bat. So is it poise, maturity, composure, stuff, command? Or I, I, I would guess it would, be, it would be a combination of all those things that would get those guys to the big leagues in a hurry. Well, you, you nailed it. Uh, I mean, it, it's, it, one, it's a lot of pressure to pitch in the big leagues, you know, just watching our guys go out there each and every day. But you nailed it. You you got to have that that poise. You got to be able to have the ability to throw one pitch at a time. You got to be able to locate your fastball. You got to be able to go soft uh, with a pitch when you're behind in the count in a fastball situation. You love to have a good breaking ball. You know the things we look for are swing and miss. Can we get these guys to swing and miss? Can we get these guys to pop the ball straight up? You know, obviously you don't want line drives. Can we not walk people? You know, walks and homers lead the runs. You know, so we we want to limit walks and limit home runs, keep the ball in the ballpark. Those are some of the big things that we really want to do. Swing and miss, uh, that's an a, a indication of how good your stuff is. You know, So when our guys aren't getting swing and misses, you know, I look at that. Why aren't we getting swing and misses? Maybe we're not uh, uh, locating the fastball enough. Maybe we're not using our pitch sequences at the right times. Uh, and some guys develop that and some guys just don't. But uh, at the end of the day, you know, the results matter up here. That's what we're really looking for, who can help us win ball games. But I know if you're throwing strikes and you're changing speeds and you're mixing all the, your stuff up and you're unpredictable with a good, solid delivery, you'll be here. Are there examples uh, from your time as a coordinator and also as a, a pitching coach in the minor leagues of guys who just didn't throw hard at all, but they had a real spike in velocity? And can you teach? Um, what's the best way for a pitcher to gain velocity? How does that happen? Well, I think, uh, you know, you, you can get guys to throw a little bit harder, and, and we've seen some of that. You know, Lou Trevino comes to mind uh, just being here, but Lou, Lou always had a, a pretty good arm. It was just being able to get to that velocity a little bit more consistently. But what we talked about is uh, one, one thing is, uh, you know, strength and conditioning, doing your arm care. Uh, feeding your body the necessary nutritions that it needs, having good repeatable mechanics with a good kinetic chain where we're, we're good sequenced up with our mechanics, uh, with our lower half to our upper half, and mental toughness. Those are the five things that I talk about when I want to build velocity. If you want to throw hard, you can't throw hard if you go out and not try to throw hard. At some point in time in your training regimen, you got to get after it and let the ball eat and throw it hard. Uh, you got to get the body moving down the slope of the mound. Some guys, you know, are out there trying to, to um, you know, command the ball, and, the, and the, their delivery looks a little bit slow, but they can command the ball. Well, that's fine, too. But you got to get the body moving. Uh, you got to have uh, 
you know, fast twitch. You got to get going down the slope of the mountain. And if you got to create it, create it. And, and then, you know, find a way to get the hand in the right slot. So there are ways that you, we can throw a little bit harder. I don't know if we're going to take guys throwing 86 to 90, 99 or anything. But, uh, you know, just one tweak in your delivery, uh, in your timing, in your uh, shoulder and hip separation, uh, that can be a difference. So those are the things that we do look for. Uh, we do practice. We do have drills for. And that's where our strength and conditioning, and especially Josh Cuffey up here at the Big League level, does an amazing job with our guys uh, is keeping them flexible. And, 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 and Nick Paparesta, our head athletic trainer, keeping their, their shoulders and their arms strong. So, you know, it, it's funny when I was the coordinator, you know, you kind of have to get in, the, get in on the guys and say, hey, you got to go to the weight room. Hey, you got to do this. I know in the minor leagues you wake up at 10 o'clock and go to a gym because most minor league ballparks wouldn't have a, a weight room. So you had to go to a U.S. Swim and Fitness or these places. And, and the dedicated guys who want to be great do it. And I look at our big league uh, pitching staff, and I don't have to say a word to these guys about getting in the weight room and doing their arm care. And, and where in the minor leagues you got to force some guys to do it, and they don't want to do it, but, you know, that's the best thing about being yeah. in the big leagues is these guys care about their careers. You have a pitcher, and you mentioned Frankie Montas in this splitter. He has the highest average fastball velocity of any starting pitcher in the American League, even higher than Garrett Cole. But it looks easy. It looks we've, we've talked on the air. It's like easy 97. Where does his velocity come from? Well, he's just uh, mass equals gas, you know. He's very strong. He's very powerful. And the one thing, uh, you know, uh, we talk about that swing and miss. Frankie doesn't get as many swing and misses as probably we would like because he looks easy, you know. So once he feels comfortable and once he, he gets his uh, uh, delivery going again, I think he's done a great job this year. But I think we can, uh, at, at some point in time, take his game even a little bit higher and, and get that body moving just a little bit faster so he doesn't look as easy. I don't want him to look easy. You know, we want to, we want that controlled violence. So that I think it looks pretty cool him. to me. Like easy 97 looks pretty cool. Yeah, but we, you know, uh, we, we'd want a little bit, you know, obviously, you know, everybody wants a little, hey, I'll take what he's doing right now. Don't get me wrong at all. You know, uh, I think he's done a great job, but you know, just looking at how we can improve him in the future. And it may not be this year when we when we say something. It, it may be next year, but I think he could click up his 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 pace just a tad and offer some more swing and miss. Anything we didn't touch on because I've loved this topic today. Well, you know, I, I think that uh, you know the guys have to understand that uh, at the end of the day, when you're building yourself to be a major league pitcher, that early in your career, the the numbers may not be there for you. You know, you may not uh, look up and have a 195 or a run average, or you may not have a six to one strikeout to walk ratio because you're working on a certain pitch that you need to work on. I think these guys, the young kids, high school kids, all the way up to, to the big leagues, have to build their craft to get major league hitters out. And when you understand, I, I do need a breaking ball, or I do need a change up, or I do need this, then it makes your life a little bit easier once you get to the big leagues. You know, we've I've seen plenty of guys have a four and a half ERA in the minor leagues come up and have a three and a half in the big leagues because they've learned how to use 
a fastball to, to several locations of the plate. They've learned how to throw that changeup behind in the count. They've learned how to throw that changeup in the dirt for a chase ahead in the count. They've learned to throw their breaking ball down and away uh, to a right-handed hitter being a right-handed pitcher. They've learned how to throw that, that breaking ball up into the hands and get deep in. They've learned how to backdoor it for soft contact. So the best advice I can say to these guys is master your craft. Master your pitches. Master your delivery. Master your craft. Keep working hard, strength and conditioning-wise. And uh, when you get to the big leagues, you know, be a big league pitcher in the minor leagues. And that's one thing I've always taught all these pitchers when I was the pitching coordinator. Be a big leaguer in the minor leagues. You can do it, you know. Now, I might come back and say, hey, well, you're not 59% first pitch strikes. You're 51. Big leaguers are either 58, 59, depending on the year. You're not uh, 64% strikes with your fastballs. That's what the big league pitchers do. So you have to do these things in the minor leagues. You have to do these things in college and, and in high school. You know, you've got to be able to think like a big leaguer and think. Mm-hmm. And, Thinking you know, is important. Yeah, and I've said the same thing to aspiring broadcasters. They're working in the minor leagues. Approach every game like this is a chance to get better and to visualize and, and think of yourself at that next level and what do I have to do to get there. Uh, the other thing, and I know in closing we focus a lot on velocity because it's it's fun to talk about, but Mike Fires has thrown two no-hitters with a fastball that's it's round 90, but a very good slow curveball, good changeup. So, you, you know, you don't have to, you don't, you still don't have to, right, Scott, you, you still don't have to throw 96 to have a good big league career. Right, and that's most definitely. One, one of the things, too, uh, and we could get into this in a whole other show, and we'll talk about spin rates. You know, Mike Fires has the fifth best spin rate on his, on his breaking ball in Major League Baseball and vertical drop, uh, and he's got a good spin rate on his fastball, which allows his fastball to play a little bit harder. And, and then we, we go into the perceived velocity. You know, the more extension you get out in front and you're throwing down the slope of the mound, to the hitter it looks harder. Mm-hmm. So you could take that 90-mile-an-hour fastball, throw it up and in with good extension rate, and make that 90 miles an hour look like somebody who's throwing 95. You're looking like you're throwing 95. So there's mm-hmm. there's plenty of different ways to make your fastball look harder. I can't wait for that show. Good stuff, man. Thanks for the visit. Thanks. All right, Scott Emerson, Emo, joining us on today's edition of Taking Effect on A's Cast on the A's Network. This has been a presentation of the Oakland Athletics. 